Hi there, friends, and welcome to this episode of Burn Your Draft, the podcast exploring the Reed Senior thesis process and experience. I'm your host, Amelie Andreas, and today Evan Griggs, Mathematics, will share his inverse eurekas, formulas scrawled in gas station bathrooms, and the deep mathematical study of what is apparently basically a two-dimensional ice cream cone. If you've ever heard someone talking about mathematics and thought, it's all Greek to me, this is the episode for you, and Evan is your translator. Take it away, Evan. Uh, Hi, my name is Evan Griggs. I'm from New Jersey, but I live in Bend, which is about four hours south of Portland. I'm a math major, and my thesis is called uh, Cyclic Cones and uh, Non-Singular Refinements of Cyclic Normal Fans. Cyclic cones and non-singular refinements of normal... Of cyclic normal things. Cyclic normal things. Wow. Okay. So I understood like at least three of those words. This is a common problem with these thesis titles. So can you give me like the um, least possible mathematic explanation of your very mathematical thesis? Yeah. Uh, Okay. So a cone is a thing. You you can think of it like an ice cream cone, uh, only in two dimensions. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you were to extend it to higher dimensions, it gets a little bit scarier than that. Oh, no. Um, Not too scary. Um, A fan is just a collection of cones. Okay. Um, And what makes makes these things cyclic is is that they're associated to what's called a cyclic polytope. Um, And that's just a very particular kind of polytope. Polytope, all that is, is a generalization of a convex polygon. Um, so think about a triangle, maybe extend that into higher dimensions, and you have a polytope. It's starting to come a little bit clear. So, okay, so we have we have cones, and we can take these cones and arrange them into fans. And is, like, the way that we're arranging them where the cyclical part comes in, or...? Um, so not quite. So... Uh, well, actually, that kind of is related to the polytope aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. Really, if we're starting from the ground up, we should start with the polytope. Okay. Um, and if it's going to be cyclic, then we have to define the vertices of this polytope uh, as being on a very particular curve. Um, in two dimensions, that curve is the parabola, the standard parabola. Mm-hmm. Um, so take any points on those parabola on, on that parabola, connect them, and it's all the stuff inside of the region that you connected. That's a two-dimensional cyclic polytope. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, that's the beginning point. Uh, and to every vertex of that polytope, you can create a cone. Um, you dualize it, which is a fancy word for modifying it slightly. And that's the stuff that you put in the fan. There's a lot of properties to the, to the, these cyclic cones that I, I prove in my thesis. The main focus of the thesis is removing their singular points. and well, actually, rather, I'm removing singular points from the torque variety. I won't get into that, but the <laughs> torque variety associated with the fan. Um, and the way that you do that is just by kind of cutting the cones in precise ways. Um, yeah. Very cool. What got you interested in this? Was it something that you, like, learned in a class at Reed or, you know, you were just perusing the Internet or reading some kind of book? And then you were like, ah, cyclical cones. This is the thing that I want to write my thesis on. Uh, I took a gap term. And after coming back, mm-hmm. I was like super interested in the material that I was learning. Um, the, the gap term here is relevant because beforehand I really wasn't too interested in what I was learning. But then coming back, it was a, I, I found myself being um, 
pulled in like really easily. Mm. Uh, and so that was, uh, I think the end of my junior year. Um, so it was actually pretty soon after that I, I was going to start writing my thesis in the math department. The way that it works is you write down the things that you're interested in uh, and then an advisor approaches you. And, and, and that's kind of how it starts. I know in other departments, um, you kind of look for a particular advisor. Um, my roommate is a, a theater major and that's what he did. Mm. But I basically, the things that I was interested in, what I wrote down was uh, a lot of things from that class that I I'd taken right after my gap term, um, which included uh, torque varieties, Grassmannians, uh, manifolds, all this stuff is the stuff that I wanted to write about. But um, uh, my advisor, Jamie, he kind of picked me out and he said, okay, we're going to work on this. And that's basically all the direction that I had. Wow. Just said, you're going <laughs> to do this. Um, here is a result that's really cool. If you can prove it, uh, prove it. Uh, here's a paper that I wrote. Figure out a way to make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was the class, if you don't mind me asking, for any, you know, math majors out there who might be like, oh, sick, I want to take that class. That sounds amazing. So it was it was topics in geometry. Um, now, the problem with that class is that it's not consistent, the material that you learn. Oh. Um, I, I actually have taken it twice, and both times it's very different. Um, I took it, you know, if anyone does want to take it, um, I took it mm -hmm. with Dave Perkinson, and I would ask Dave uh, the material, uh, what he's going to be teaching in that class. Mm -hmm. um, because it does change. It's up to the instructor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a biology major, and I think that we have those too. It's kind of like is it is it like half a credit, and it's more of like a conversational type course? Is that kind of the vibe? Or um, so it's it's not half a credit, and it does depend on the um, professor. It, it really is mm -hmm. up to the professor. Um, if if you know Jamie, he's very loose with the way he teaches, so that's kind of more conversational. Mm -hmm. um, but then Dave is more structured. He had a set of class notes that he was teaching off of um, lectures mm -hmm. every day that almost that changed weekly, basically. Um, you know, assignments every week um, and a structured amount of midterms. But then Jamie's was mm -hmm. not at all like that. We had one midterm and two homework assignments. Well, wow. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah. So it's a completely different course depending on who teaches it. Yeah. It's awesome to get like as well uh, a chance to to kind of go deeper into these different topics that you might not think too much about just from doing like the core standard, you know, math or bio or chemistry, whatever curriculum. Yeah. Um, what also I noticed something that was um, interesting about those classes in particular mm -hmm. um, and that they are teaching it uh, in a way that directly reflects the things that they're interested in. Mm. Um, Jamie's teaching about his research uh, that he's been involved with for like decades. Wow. Um, and Dave has been interested. Dave kind of merges his own uh, interest in, in his teaching, um, which is unlike the other math courses at Reed, where it's always very structured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I'm a sophomore and I've just started taking kind of upper level classes, you know, pass through my, my intro STEM and now I can you know, pick what I'm studying. And it's just such a different atmosphere when the professors are teaching you about things that they're, you know, going in the next day and like pushing that field further, like in a lab and, and actually making progress in the things that they're coming to, you know, give you a PowerPoint lecture on the next day. Super cool. Absolutely. 
How did you like get interested in math as well? Like, I feel like math can kind of sometimes have a bad rep. What would you say to the people who are like, oh, math is too hard? Well, I was like that. You know, coming into high school, I was actually in a, in a class called Topics in Algebra, which was the class that is two years before Algebra 1. Um, but I like do not have a math background. Um, I'm actually... I'm actually a community college transfer. So like I, I kind of have a, a different perspective than a lot of people, but um, but I, I understand where people come from when they say that. Um, I talk to my mom about math all the time and mm-hmm. I get the same response every single time. Um, it's it's like, it's all Greek to me. Um, <laughs> I, I, never, I never liked that response, but it's it's all right. A bad rap. Um, like I guess that is a bad rap. Um, what got me interested in math was, it's kind of fortuitous. By the end of my junior year of high school, I thought I was really into chemistry, uh, even though I was like a, a shit student. I was considering dropping out, actually. Um, but I had managed to like wriggle my way into um, a organic chemistry and, and biochem class. And so I thought, it was, I thought it was really into chemistry. Um, and I was kind of excelling in that area. Like, weirdly, it was an anomaly. But then I, I saw one of my friends, like, calculus assignments and I was in like pre-algebra um sorry uh pre-calculus I was in pre-calculus um Mm -hmm. and I thought my math career was like over after my junior year um but I saw my friend's um homework and I was like wow that looks really like different because it is different yeah notation is totally different and and that's one of the things that like always um makes people distant I think is the notation Mm -hmm. Um, and and rightfully so it's a lot to digest yeah it's almost like learning a new language oh yeah yeah Uh, most of my thesis is is literally definitions (laughs) um definitions for things and then Mm -hmm. things that follow from those definitions so so I saw his assignment and I thought it looked uh beautiful and I was like okay I want to take a shot at it so so I did Mm -hmm. um and I had already understood that I wasn't going to college after high school but my uh, professor, sorry, my teacher, my teacher um, was super uh, engaging and, and, and welcoming. And he always encouraged me to, um, to, to keep trying uh, and, and to pursue it further. I think that's actually what got me into community mm-hmm. college. Um, he actually, after my two years at community college, he actually wrote my rec letter for Reed. And I'm convinced that was the reason I got in. Yeah, so it was, it was my senior year of high school. It was an AP calculus class. I don't know how I got into that. I swear <laughs> to God. Like, I was such a bad student. I think it was just like one good grade that I had in, ma- in a math class mm-hmm. that like um, allowed me to get in that. Wow. So many things just kind of like magically fell into place to like get you to where you are now, yeah. you know, like finished a thesis with your, your, your degree in math when you like, you know, like you said, you started off not even like like on the same side of all those people who are like, oh, math is too hard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I still kind of have tie the, ties to those people. Um, I, mm-hmm. I tutor community college people all the time. I Most of my friends who are, who are not math majors from community college uh, still come to me and I, and I still work with them. And it's very, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's still great to see those kinds of people too. I love them. They're great. Yeah. And it's so much better as well to have someone teaching you who has been in a place where like they understand that it, you know, there is friction when you're learning something new. What did your process look like while you were working on this thesis? Like a lot of people who are more maybe on the, 
you know, social science or literature side of things, spent a lot of time in the library? Are you mostly like working with like a pen and paper, writing out equations or doing research? What does that kind of play out like? Uh, well, if I, if I ever read, which I did, I ever read though, it was, <laughs> it was at night right before I went to bed and it was um, always very casual and lighthearted. Um, nice. Because a lot of a lot of the stuff I, I did, and a lot of like the the most integral parts of my thesis were uh, spent just like I, I said I was gonna you know think about something. I did. I said I'm gonna figure this thing out. I, I have a an idea of what's going on mm-hmm. behind you know one particular thing, and so I'm gonna sit down for um, you know however long, um, sometimes upwards of like 14 hours, just like thinking about this thing. Wow. Um, until I had an idea. One of a, this is a kind of telling about the structure of my thesis, but um, <laughs> a, a lot of it is like a background material. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the important stuff is kind of loaded at the back, at mm-hmm. the very end. Um, so my thesis wasn't really complete until uh, about five hours after my orals. Wow. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, so yeah. And, uh, just before, um, Thanksgiving break, I had this like epiphany and and I guess what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say here is that a lot of the stuff happened, um, kind of coincidentally and and Mm -hmm. not much like work was done, but I have spent a lot of time thinking about it. There was a a point right before Thanksgiving break where um, Mm -hmm. I was walking to a class, which I had with Jamie, my advisor, Mm -hmm. um, and I, as I was walking to class, I, I had an idea about a proof that I um, had been stuck on for months, um, and it wow. was very coincidental. And I and I told Jamie that I had I had a solution for it um, mm-hmm. as I was walking to class in the class that he was just about to teach, um, and that whole ride home for Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. Um, I just spent like thinking about writing the proof. It was kind of all in my head. Wow. Um, it's kind of irre- irre- it was almost irresponsible, I think, for how much I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Out. Don't forget the proof. Don't forget the <laughs> proof. Um, I actually had written it in a bathroom specifically don't so I don't forget it. Um, <laughs> I, I had to take a I had to take a leak one time and I went to the bathroom and I just like wrote it. Um, so I didn't forget it. <laughs> on the bathroom wall or like on a paper while you're in the bathroom? I think it was on my, I think it was on my arm, um, <laughs> was on my arm or like in some post-it note that was in my like shirt pocket. Wow. Um, I actually, when, uh, when I burned, I, I burned my thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, I burned a notebook that was three quarters like empty because mm-hmm. I barely wrote in it. Um, but like that was most of the work that I had done that year. Wow. Yeah, I should have should have written things. Yeah, I've always wondered. I've always wondered with math theses because it seems like it would be, you know, if you're doing something mathematical that no one's ever done before, it seems like it would be so dependent on having that like eureka moment like you were talking about. Absolutely. Like how do how do math theses you know all end up being written by the end of the year if they're so, you know, that you need to have this kind of moment of inspiration, I guess. Um, yeah. No, that, that's a that's a good question. I think a lot of my moments came from. Uh, I will say, Jamie did subtly nudge me, um, and I, and I recognize that after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's one theorem that's pretty important in my thesis, um, which says that 
you can obtain these vectors and the last coordinate of all the vectors is either going to be mm -hmm. plus one or minus one. Um, and that's, that's really important. And observing that, I never would have observed that. Jamie had to point that out for me. But I will say that the proof of that was quite tricky. And mm. um, I, I had like an, uh, an inverse Eureka moment um, <laughs> where I realized the morning of my orals that I, I, I did the proof wrong. No! So as, as it stood, the theorem was not true. Um, oh, my it, God. Know, I couldn't claim it to be true. Um, I knew it was true in a two-dimensional case. That's actually quite easy. Mm -hmm. In a three-dimensional case, every example that I found was true. Mm -hmm. um, and you can make higher-dimensional higher-dimensional examples from the lower-dimensional ones. Um, and every, but I, I mean, the computation time, is, you know, it's exponential at that point. Mm -hmm. So every example that I created, the, the theorem was true. Uh, but the proof, you know, the, the higher in dimension you go, I was less and less confident. Mm -hmm. But I, I still... Thoroughly believed it was true, so I was I was panicking. But um, I told Jamie after, uh, like right before my orals, orals, I was like, "Shit, Jamie, I, <laughs> like this, it's so important, but I, it's like wrong." Um, even though, like, I, I know it's true. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, it, what I was saying about how um, you know my, my thesis um, was like only wasn't complete done until like right after the orals. <laughs> Yeah, um, and actually, I, I it wasn't. I said five hours. I, I was up until five a.m. Oh the next my day. gosh! Wow. Um, working on this proof, and then will will that be like amended to like the official version of your thesis though? So like the official final, you know, digital thesis archive in the library one. It has like these last little this last little push in there. Yeah. So so Jamie and I talked about that because it was kind of shady. Um, it was like, <laughs> You know, you're not supposed to add content, like pages of content. You can like change typos mm -hmm. and, and it was a typo in a sense. It was a big typo, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh so he said, you know, respect the rule. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, ultimately I, I think it came down to like an honor principle mm -hmm. thing. And, and I think what I did was well within the honor principle. Yeah, no kidding. It would be it would be such a you know pain to like you know stay up until five a.m. doing all of that and just be like ah because of a technicality I can't add it. Uh, what you were saying about a eureka moment, the reason why I said that was because mm -hmm. I would have stayed up for longer if I didn't have a eureka at like three in the morning, um, mm. and then I just needed to figure out the details uh, and, and write it all down. So if I didn't have that moment, I would have not had a proof, and I would have had to shorten the conjecture, shorten the theorem to. Um, a proposition that worked in a very small case. Um, and then mm. my whole theorem, my whole thesis would have been reduced to a case, a very particular case, which is not mm -hmm. exciting at all. <laughs> wow, that must have felt so good then to finally like, you know, have everything airtight oh, yeah. after that, that oh, last yeah. little push. Oh, yeah. Uh, th yeah, this actually might have been the biggest, um, maybe because it felt so sudden. Uh, and I actually had like mm -hmm. a mental breakdown after that. Um, oh my god no kidding I would be surprised if you didn't that sounds like such an emotional roller coaster everything else is tied to it is there some kind of research question that you want to or think someone else should take further or maybe any like real world applications of some of the math that you were doing okay so the outcome was a um a method and it's actually pretty simple a method of taking a fan which is profoundly singular and refining it in a way that makes it non-singular. So uh, what's next? You know, actually, I outlined some of the things that were, you know, next in my, um, in, in, I have a 
final section called the closing thoughts, um, just kind of outlines what I'm going to do next. Um, someone else, I mean, mm -hmm. hey, feel free to take over for me, but um, I don't think it, it's too much work what I'm going to do. Um, so for the next couple of months, I'm going to be um, talking back and forth with Jamie about how to complete what I originally set out to do, wow. um, which is to find that Euler-McLaurin formula for a cyclic polytope. Is that going to be kind of in like a more informal way or is there some kind of like read avenue that you're making that happen through? Uh, Jamie and I have always been kind of in, uh, mm -hmm. informal. Um, anyone who knows Jamie knows that he's informal. But yeah, no, it will no longer be part of a thesis. Um, it'll just be me and Jamie talking about um, the same thing that we've been talking about for the last year. Wow, that sounds awesome, though. I would love so much to just like after I graduate, just hang out with all of my like coolest professors and right? just talk about like all of the fascinating stuff that we've because it sounds like it would be a lot less stressful, you know, when you don't have this looming deadline and it's more just like, I don't know, like a creative process almost where yeah. you're collaborating together. Yeah. Um, actually, I experienced that stress a lot in the very beginning because um, I, mm -hmm. I had expectations of this thesis that was remarkably formal. Every Everything had to be formalized. Um, every week I would present my finding, findings to Jamie and I would typeset the notes and I would give him like a, a page and a half of writing, wow. um, which is just not worth it. <laughs> As time went on, it was it got more informal um, and mm -hmm. it was more relaxed. And I think we worked better that way. Yeah. So th this is going to be more informal. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Evan, for taking the time to explain your thesis and join us on Burn Your Draft. Best of luck in all your future mathematical endeavors. And thank you as well to all of our listeners who took the time to tune into this episode. I hope you'll join us again to hear from more alumni and students about what it means to burn your draft. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. The views, information, or opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Reed College. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Amelie Andreas. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janiga. Our project manager is Nate Martin, staff member and class of 2016. Music by Jack Salvucci, class of 2020, and podcast start by alumni Henry Gotchlik and Lillian Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.